What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast, TGIF. The Reds got a win last night. We're going to talk about that. I've got some thoughts about third base. The Reds have really had a lot of struggles there. We got a thought about that before the stretch run, and we're going to preview Sonny Gray against Eliezer Hernandez. Before we get into all that, though, I want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download that Spotify Greenroom app and join me later this week, trying to come up with an exact time on that, but you can download the app. Join me later this week on your favorite mobile device on the Spotify Greenroom app. They're changing the way that we talk sports, and look at this. We got a new intro. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so it was kind of the same intro, just shortened a little bit, but whatever. Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed or you're following me on your favorite podcasting app. That way you don't miss anything that I've got for you. As the Reds head down this stretch run, they are now one game back of the second wild card spot. Oh, how quickly the fortunes change. We're going to talk about that here on today's podcast. Before we do, make sure that you're following me as well on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and say the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Get those in. I promise we're going to have a mailbag Monday. We're going to be talking a lot about some different stuff. I'm going to answer one question today. Our buddy Chad in Lancaster gave me a question about a Eugenio Suarez we're going to get to in the second segment. This first segment, though, is all about a win. The Reds won, and they won handedly last night. Very good to see a bounce back after a dismal performance against the Chicago Cubs. That was all around great baseball for the Red Legs at Great American Ballpark. The pitching was phenomenal. The hitting was phenomenal. Let's dive in. I was really happy with what the Reds got out of their pitching staff on Thursday night. I mean, you talk about Luis Castillo just was on top of his game and absolutely looked phenomenal doing it. He, nope, (laughs) wrong, uh, wrong graphic there. Let's try that one. There we go. If you're watching on the YouTube thing, you can see the graphic that I got for you. It's Luis Castillo's performance from baseball savant kind of breaking that, breaking it all down. He had 15 total swings and misses last night. He was on his game and you can kind of tell from the velocities from the fastball, his average sinker and forcing velocity was around 98, kind of 99. He's been at a hundred above a hundred here recently. So he took a couple of miles off his fastball and he actually raised his off-speed pitches, his slider and his changeup were both working and working well. You can see he got seven swings and misses on the changeup, three on the slider, and he was just inducing a lot of weak contact. He had very league average exit velocity against him last night, and the deal of what he had seven strikeouts in seven innings, which was good to see, but he was doing a lot of good pitching to weak contact and getting guys out. Yeah, there were some hits, but he was able to kind of channel his inner Wade Miley and cause the opposing lineup to just not hit very well. I, I was happy to see that. And he was asked in the post game, you know, the difference between that 
performance and being a strikeout pitcher. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm just, I found a groove and I'm happy with what I've got right now. And I'm not worried about my strikeout numbers. I'm just worried about helping the team win, you know, a very player centric answer, but at the same point, a very good answer as well. And then coming in to relieve him were two perf- two performances that were very exciting. Michael Lorenzen looked pretty good there in the eighth inning, shutting the Marlins down. And I understand, you know, six to one, you don't really want to see your main dudes, but Michael Lorenzen hadn't pitched in a couple of days, so it was good to see him come out and just shut the Marlins down. You see that breakdown was pretty nice. It was a short inning for him because he made quick work of the Marlins lineup, but overall fantastic. His four-seamer averaging 97 miles an hour. The cutter, the cut fastball was working well for him that on Thursday night too. So you kind of combine those, you've got almost 77% fastballs for him. And the changeup was nice, but he didn't use it very much. It it was just a a good mix of pitches for him. But the dude who impressed me the most, and you got the graphic on there if you're watching on YouTube, Tony Santion. Yeah, he had a five-run lead in the ninth inning, but he pitched like he was in a very tight ball game, very awesome pitches. They did not know what to do with his slider. Look at that. They had seven swings on the slider, five whiffs, absolutely phenomenal. Tony Santion obviously is one of the 26 best players on this roster. We knew that before he was sent down, but it's very obvious he shouldn't have never been sent down. I mean, the Reds are much better with him on the major league roster. So I'm looking for big things for him. I'm looking for him to continue to develop that fastball and slider combo this season. Love to see if maybe he could add a third pitch in the offseason. But right now, I mean, don't mess with nothing because it's working. That slider is phenomenal for him. And I'm very happy to see that. Plus, on the lineup side of things, I mean, you can't see the back of my shirt, but this is a Joey Votto jersey and Joey Votto again. I mean, what, what more can you say about this guy? This guy is an MVP candidate. If he's not, then people aren't watching. I know he missed a month, but that's what is so fantastic about the numbers that he's putting up. And a three-run home run last night that essentially put the game in hand. They scored three more runs to make it uh, even more so that way. But that was a crushed home run to pretty much straightaway center field. Absolutely phenomenal the way that he did. And to kind of look at the breakdown I saw in baseball, so I don't have a graphic on this one, but the Marlins pitchers that he faced were challenging him. He got 10 fastballs last night, 10 four-seam fastballs last night, and I think six of them were in the middle of the zone. Not high, not low and in, you know, not the not the type of fastball pitches that have been kind of plaguing the Reds recently. He was being challenged, and he rose to that challenge with a long home run. His only hit of the night, but just an absolutely phenomenally crushed ball. And this team is so different. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. This team is so different and so much better whenever Jonathan India is getting on base and getting on base multiple times in a game. We saw the struggles there in the end of the Cubs series where the leadoff hitter was not getting on base. In fact, I saw a stat that said that since the seventh inning of game two, the leadoff hitter hadn't got on base until I think Jonathan India did it. It was either the third or the fourth inning last night. And when that doesn't happen, you put yourself behind the eight ball very quickly. Jonathan India all year long has been that guy, been the catalyst, and he showed it again last night. He has been such a phenomenal dude, and I've been happy to watch him play some baseball. We're going to talk about something that I think the Reds need to fix here. They need to be honest about it. 
in the stretch run coming up here in just a minute. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know you've got to get into a built bar. I'm telling you, use that promo code right now. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, it's locked 15. You'll save 15% off the best tasting protein bar on the market. Bar none. They've got phenomenal flavors that are all made with 100% real chocolate. I'm talking about cookies and cream. Cookies and cream right now is back on the menu. Sometimes it's kind of off right now. It's back. Then you got Cherry Barcia as well. And you can use this promo code to save on a mix box. You can build your own box where you get to pick three flavors and they have six bars of each flavor. So if you know what your favorite flavor is, you can get a whole box of that or you can get your top three because like I was trying to confer with my wife, whenever we were figuring out which we're going to, which flavors we're going to pick for our mix box that we just ordered. She gave me a list of like six. So we picked the top three and just went from there. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and order a box of your favorite bars today. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market because they do it with 100% real chocolate. They've got amazing stats, like less than 4 grams of fat and up to 18 grams of protein. Do it today. Go to lock or go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKED15. All right. This one's a toughie because we were really happy to see the return of Moose. Mike Mustakis came back and he came back in a big way. Had a game with three doubles. It was fan, fan fun. I'm thinking of like nine words in a row here. That was fantastic and very fun to see. But ever since then, he's been pretty horrid. In fact, at the plate, I mean, you watch him and it's just constantly bad at bats, leaving guys on base and just overall very unproductive. So I kind of broke it down. I'm like, whoa, what's going on with, with old Moose? He does have a low bat. So he's getting kind of unlucky, but that's not the whole story. In fact, I, I was looking at fan graphs to kind of see what's going on by the numbers and by the numbers, 25% of the pitches that he's making contact with are turning into infield fly balls, AKA pop-ups, AKA ain't nothing happening on those. You're not doing anything with an infield fly ball. I mean, unless you just are playing against a very, very terrible infield defense that drops everything they catch, which they're probably not professionals. If they do that, then he's making a lot of outs. And I also look at something else. When you look at 2019, when he was with the Brewers, he had a hard hit rate of 41%. In 2020, he had a hard hit rate of 38%. So a little bit of a decline, but not that much. This year, 23%. A huge drop off. Now, part of that's probably a small sample size, and he's been hurt. So he's still trying to get that timing up. But right now, fastballs are eating him up. He's batting like a buck 90 against fastballs right now if i'm a pitcher i'm just challenging him i'm gonna see what he can do with it because if you look on uh, baseball savannah says that whenever an off-speed pitch is thrown to mike Mustakis, he is clobbering it he's killing it but when you get something that's a fastball like 93 miles and above he can't do anything with it and if you're a pitcher i think you're just eating that up and i think eliezer hernandez if moose is in the lineup tonight which Hernandez is a righty. I think Hernandez is going to challenge him as well. So what do you do with that? 
I, I, it's really hard to figure out. You're not going to get time. And that's, this is the hardest part because I've got an idea that doesn't include him starting every day. So getting timing and not playing every day really doesn't compute, but the Reds are trying to win. They can't wait on guys to figure things out at this point in the season. Speaking of figuring things out. Oh my gosh. Our man, a Eugenio Suarez and shout out to Chad and Lancaster. He put a question up on the lockdown Reds line. 513-549-0159, by the way. But he asked, he's like, I'm so tired of all the negativity surrounding our man, Gino. Is there anything that is positive out there? Is there something you can give me, a nugget of positivity? And I'll say this, he has a ridiculously low batting average of balls in play. His BABIP is 190. Now, that's why his batting average is so low below even that. But that's saying that he is just getting so ridiculously unlucky because league average is like 295. He's 100 points below that. That is not, and, and he is not a guy who traditionally has a low BABIP during the season. So that should be one of those indicators that a positive upswing is coming. But we've been saying that for like two years now. So I, I'm a little bit worried about that because when you put that together with the fact that he's striking out 30% of the time, that is why he is just not hitting the ball at all. The thing, though, that I also look at, because it's not as if BABIP is the end-all, be-all as to why a guy is struggling. Let's look at this, too. His hard hit rate. I talked about this with Moose. It's down with Moose. It's down with Gino too. In 2019, it was like 49%. Pretty darn good. It's way down now. It's like 12% down for the last two years, not just this year, but also last year as well. It's been a bigger sample size of the same, like 24% or no, it's like 30, 30 something percent. I should have wrote that down, but it's 12% lower than in 2019 for the last two years. It is obvious to me, and I know that he's been medically cleared. I know they're saying that the shoulder is fine, but he has had to make some kind of physical adjustment ever since that surgery, and he's just never gotten comfortable with it. I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know if that's something that you can work on during the season. I think if they would have known that, they would have asked him to do that. Although, see Nixon Zell, this team is very trusting of its players whenever they ask you, how you feeling? But I think that when it comes to Eugenio Suarez, it is obvious that something drastic has changed and they got to figure this out because his career is going to be much shorter than we thought if this continues. No, nobody's going to take a chance on a dude who's been a buck 80. That's not taking a chance. That's like a reclamation project. That is, that is a lot. I, I'm not sure. Here's the thing, though. They've got a possible workaround. And I told you, yes, in order to fix that and get timing for both Suarez and Moose, they got to play. But the Reds are not in a position where they can let guys like that play a lot. They, they cannot just hope that they figure it out here in the stretch run. They're one game behind in the second spot of the NL wild card. They got to win. And if you're looking at games and wins and on a nightly basis, kind of trying to break down what you're looking at, you got to go with the hot hands. Kyle Farmer's a hot hand. Talk about Kyle Farmer. I, I love what he's done. And he is a quintessential case of numbers and analytics versus what you see with your eyes. The numbers say that he's been all right. He's not been that great. He's been pretty decent. And if you look at baseball reference compared to fan graphs, the war is very different. 
And shout out to Clay Snowden. He kind of he was like, oh, yeah, well, because I asked the question on Twitter. I said, where would this team be without Kyle Farmer? And he's like, well, they'd be 0.8 war less. And that's true. If you're looking at baseball reference, he does have a 1.6 war on Fangraphs. Fangraphs likes them more for some reason. I know they have a little bit of tweak in their formula, but that is maths. And I don't really know. So all I know is that the number's different. But I look past the war with him. I, I You see what he's done in the field. And you see the timely at-bats that he's had. Like last night. Last night, it didn't really mean that much because it was the bottom of the eighth and the Reds already had the game well in hand. But he had an at-bat where he was fouling pitches off. He wasn't, be, wasn't able to really barrel up any pitches that he was seeing. So he makes an adjustment, and he has a little bit lighter of a swing, and he just pops a little single into shallow right field. He's been doing that all year. A multi-hit game for him, and I love what Kyle Farmer's brought to the plate. And for those of you that are detractors, I think you're probably, and, and I was kind of a detractor of Jose Iglesias too, so I can't really distance myself too much from that, but I think you're seeing Kyle Farmer, and what you're seeing is Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias didn't walk, but neither has Kyle Farmer in 2021. The other thing about both those guys, they haven't struck out. The strikeout rate for Kyle Farmer is very low compared to where league average is, and so was Jose Iglesias in 2019. Now, the biggest difference is Kyle Farmer has more power. Kyle Farmer has been a better slugging and a better on-base guy than Jose Iglesias was. So when you look at 2019 Jose Iglesias, and for those of you that miss the days of Jose Iglesias, Sure, Kyle Farmer doesn't have as good as glove as he did in 2019, but Kyle Farmer still has a pretty decent glove at shortstop, and at the plate, he's actually better. So that's why Kyle Farmer has been such a value and such an important part of this team this year. And then I also look at Jose Barrero. It is key. Every time I watch him, it is, it's inherent. This dude's the future. He is athletically gifted. He is going to be amazing in the field, whether he's playing shortstop or wherever. And at the plate, he has grown by leaps and bounds. You're going to look and you say, well, he's hitting 400 in a small sample size. I'm not even talking about that. You watch him at the plate. He understands the pitch that's coming. He knows what to lay off and he knows what to swing at. That's what, I mean, that's what we love about Jonathan India. He looks like a grizzled vet in the batter's box, understanding what to do with what pitches he's given. And I think Jose Barrero is right there in that mold. So I think you've got to figure out some way, maybe farmer at third and Barrero at short, but Barrero played some third base in triple a as well. So maybe Barrero at third, whatever, if it's more of a comfort thing for Kyle farmer, start him at shortstop and start Barrero at third base. I think you've got to go with those two guys on the left side. I, I saw that tweet and I'm sorry, I've forgotten who it was and I should have looked it up before I started recording. It's going to take too long to find now, but shout out to whoever tweeted me this. Like you got to go with Barrero and farmer on the left side because we're trying to win games now and make it to the playoffs. And if Moose and Suarez happen to figure things out, getting a little bit less playing time than they would have been, then great, but we can't wait on that. And I think that's what the reds need to do down the stretch Barrero and farmer on the left side. All right, coming up, we're going to preview game two of this four-game set with the Reds and Marlins. We got Sonny Gray on the hill tonight. I'm going to tell you why I've changed my thinking on him. And we've got a dude with a really awesome name, Eliezer Hernandez. I love that name, Eliezer. That's great. But before we get into that, though, I want to let you know you can make some money off your sports knowledge today at Bet Online. 
locked Go there and set up your profile with the promo code locked on and get 50% added onto your initial deposit, which is an amazing deal. Plus, I got a tip for you tonight. I was looking at this Reds and Marlins game, and I think I found a value, not necessarily in the money line because the Reds are minus 185. That's not a huge value there. Plus, you've got the uh, run line of minus one and a half. I think that the Reds can do all right there, but it's plus 104, and I don't know that. I don't know that I want to bet wholeheartedly on the fact that they'll win by more than one run. So I'm looking at the over-under. The over-under is currently set at nine. I'm going over on that. I think the Reds score enough for that. And then maybe the Marlins get a couple of runs off Sonny Gray or whoever comes out of the bullpen tonight. And I think your total is going to be at least 10. So I'd take the over for the Reds and Marlins tonight. That's my tip for you at betonline.ag. Go there, set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get 50% more on your initial deposit and take this tip with you to make a couple bucks more. That's betonline.ag and the, and the promo code locked on. All right, tonight we've got Sonny Gray and Eliezer Hernandez. We'll talk about Hernandez here in a minute. I'm going to tell you why I've changed my tune on Sonny Gray, because I've continually said that coming into this year, Sonny Gray was supposed to be ace one B and he hasn't lived up to that. Now, recently he hasn't gone more than five innings and that's frustrating to see, but that doesn't tell you the whole story. I think a big factor with Sonny Gray, you look at this, this is his baseball savant, uh, percentile rankings. They're all, um, for the most part, they're all red. Walk percentage could be better. Fastball velocity could be higher. Chase rate could be better. But everything else looks amazing. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, he is really high when it comes to allowing average exit velocity, really high percentile ranking, which means it's really low. And he's really good at limiting hard contact. The expected stats are all very nice. Barrel percentage, he is very good at limiting. So what gives? We know that what we've seen from Sonny Gray is not what we were expecting and not exactly what we thought he was going to bring to the table. The thing with him is this. In breaking down what he has given the Reds this season, he's getting unlucky. A 335 batting average on balls in play, that's over that's like 40 points higher than league average and his xFIP reflects that couldn't think of the word. His XFIP reflects the fact that he's getting unlucky because his XFIP is 3.44, a run lower than his ERA. And he would be top 20 in Major League Baseball, top top 20 among all Major League Baseball starters when it comes to strikeout minus walk percentage. So you take a strikeout percentage, you subtract his walk percentage. What do you have left? You have 19.1%, which is good. That's a big gap between the two. He While his walk rate could be lower, it's still not as high as some, and the strikeout rate is nice and high. The only significant change in his results year over year is that guys are swinging more at his first pitch, and he's throwing more first pitch strikes. So it's like he's trying to get ahead of the hitters. The hitters know that, so they're trying to swing more. And when they make contact with the pitch, they're going opposite field a lot more than he has ever allowed in his career. It's over 22%. I think it actually is like 27%, but he is giving up a lot of opposite field contact, which means if the reds are shifting, that's a hit because you're not shifting to the opposite field. You're shifting to the pool side. He's not giving up a lot of pool side contact, which makes me want to jump into a pool. (sighs) Whatever. That's neither here nor there. He's given up a lot of opposite field contact. So, 
with that all being said, the fact that he's limiting hard contact, if he's allowing weak contact, but it's where the defense isn't, that's still a hit. And that's what is kind of limiting his innings pitched per start. I think once he stops getting unlucky with that, maybe makes a tweak here or there, which Derek Johnson is well aware of this. I'm not giving them any information that they don't know. I'm sure that they're trying to work on this. Maybe they shift less whenever Sonny Gray pitches, but I think ultimately it's just down to bad luck as to why we're not seeing the best out of Sonny Gray. And I think that that's going to kind of write itself down the stretch run. I think it starts tonight against this Marlins lineup. Now on the other side of the field, we're looking at Eliezer Hernandez, a guy who only has three games pitched this year. So it's not as if we know a lot about him, but in the three games that he's pitched, he's been mostly a fastball slider combo pitcher. He does have a changeup, but he's only thrown it a few times and it's only to left-handers, but he barely uses it. He doesn't have anything overpowering. His average velocity on his fastball is around 91. His average velocity on his slider, though, is around 79, which is a nice difference. And really, when it comes down to it, if you're not an overpowering pitcher, but you still have a pretty significant gap between your fastball and your off-speed pitch, then you're still going to be able to work around that. And he throws his slider four strikes. He gets a lot of weak contact on that, evidenced by the fact that all of the sliders he's thrown this year that have been hit into play have a slugging percentage less than 100. Yeah. People aren't making good contact on this slider. So it'll be interesting to see what the Reds do with it. They got to wait on the fastball. But overall, in those three starts, he has an ERA below two, and his expected stats say that he's not getting cheated. So what will the Reds see from him? It's hard to tell but it's going to be fastballs that are high up in the zone, according to his three games that he's pitched, and it's going to be sliders that just go all over. He's got fantastic control of that slider, and if we see that early on today, I think we're going to know what we're getting out of the Reds lineup. Sorry, I need some good stuff there. So looking for an interesting game because um, we know what the Reds do with a pitcher that doesn't have much of a scouting report on him. They usually struggle, at least early on. It might be a first first couple of innings of not a whole lot going on for either side because I think Sonny Gray is going to right the ship. Like I said, he's been unlucky, but he still had the same talent. Now his velocity maybe a tick down, but it's not as if we're talking about a large drop in velocity and everything is down. So yeah, okay. The fastball is not as fast, but he has compensated for that and kept the gap between his fastball and his off speed pitches and his breaking stuff is still working. It's just when he gives up that contact, it's going away from the shift. So if the reds just stop shifting more, I think that might be the answer, but we'll see. See what happens because tonight is game two. Sonny Gray, Eliezer Hernandez, Reds and Marlins, 7, 10 p.m. Can't wait. Looking for another win. And we will wrap up this series. We'll talk about it on Monday. Get your questions, reactions, comments, whatever you've got into the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159. And hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs or at Locked On Reds. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast today, though. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. I'll talk to each and every one of you on Monday.